finna go Alex Jones level on y'all, man. Welcome to the podcast. It's Monday, August 15th, 2022. Today on the podcast, our Sunday review, where we will be checking in on Face the Nation, where Maggie Brennan interviews Philadelphia congressman and ex-FBI agent Brian Fitzpatrick who talks about the affidavit being the key to the Trump Mar-a-Lago case. Also, we'll be hearing from Sunday Morning Propaganda from our favorite feel-good feature news program, CBS Sunday Morning, where Major Garrett lays out the case against Trump. The supposed case, I should say. And of course, we'll be tearing into the Sunday New York Times, showing how the newspaper continually mischaracterized the facts to mislead the public. But we're going to start today's episode with a look back at the New York Times article, Right Minds. The Claremont Institute helped shape a Trumpian vision for American conservatism. The revolution it started is far from being finished. So this um, New York Times magazine article was from a couple weeks ago, so I just read it this week. So, and it lays out the narrative that Trumpism or the Trumpian vision somehow was inorganic and didn't start with a sort of a Tea Party 1776 reboot. Instead, as they as the left imagines like how they come up with ideas that they all kind of incubate in these think tanks. So the Claremont Institute is a um, conservative think tank of sorts um, in California. And it outlines the story here about several in- individuals, Michael Anton, Harry Jaffa, and um, this other guy, Kessler. And they try to lay out the narrative that these guys... And the Institute itself came up with this individual liberty thing that Trump is promoting, this this resurgence of American nationalism somehow came out of the Claremont Institute or some sort of conservative think tanks. When most of us know, and most of us who follow the pursuit of liberty, know that it really came out of the Enlightenment and um, thinkers like John Locke. And it talks about that in here is that the young people at the Claremont Institute um, and and the other founders somehow 
you know, dug this out of the closet, you know, talking about John Locke and individual liberty and all these things and put it into a political platform when it's really been part of America the whole time. So if you didn't know a thing or two about Harry Jaffa, the Claremont Institute, you should look into it. I mean, it's a it's a conservative institute, um, but um, the New York Times plays it out as, as somehow the... Um, the Claremont Institute is responsible for Trumpism, and they connect it to um, Chicago University's Leo Strauss um, and like hardline uh, conservative thought and, and all these sorts of things. Neo reactionary bloggers, Curtis Yarvin, the ill defined new right, and his anti liberal screeds. Uh, the American mind, and they talk about all these young people coming out and the new right. So their their whole narrative is that the new right, uh, for lack of a better term, somehow came out of this neo-reactionary think tank when that's not, they're just um, the organic ideals that came out of the Enlightenment and where part of the American founding are just kind of uh, been rekindled uh, in institutions like these. And sure, it's neo-reactionary because uh, we're fighting uh, neo-progressives. And um, it's it's the radicals in the neo-progressive movement um, that are forcing uh, the neo-reactionaries, um, I, I guess you would say fighting stance, uh, because all this talk about civil war, um, it's people that are defending the quote-unquote republic versus uh, democratic progressivism. Um, that they want to do away with some of these old things uh, that were part of the founding of the United States. So quickly before we get into other uh, news from the New York Times, I want to go into this story about an ex-police officer um, gets seven years in prison for the role in the January 6th attack. Uh, Seven years in prison for a police officer who went inside the Capitol is basically uh, criminal trespassing. He donned a gas mask, like somehow that's going to, you know, further his sentence. So federal jury found Mr. Robertson, 49, guilty in April of five felonies, including obstruction of an official proceeding. So he went into the Capitol and they had to stop uh, the proceeding. Civil disorder, so disorderly conduct, and carrying a weapon in a restricted building. So all these things uh, amount to a seven-year sentence. Just It just isn't, it isn't just. And anybody could see that this isn't justice being served. Thomas Robertson, despite swearing an oath of office when he became a police officer, joined the violent mob at the Capitol on January 6th and did so while armed, said the attorney. Um, but he's not accused of assaulting anyone or using his weapon, he just went inside the Capitol. And for this, he gets seven years in prison. And the New York Times goes on to say, and this is part of what the media's problem is, as right-wing rhetoric escalates, so do threats and violence. Both threats of political violence and actual attacks have become a steady reality of life. Experts, experts blame dehumanizing apocalyptic language. And I think it's the left, and they did so in the New York Times Magazine article, 
that somehow it's the new right that's escalating this when you have to understand that the opposite of radicalism is reactionaryism. And so the right is reacting to what the left is doing. So who's provoking who? How can reactionaries provoke radicals? I think it's the other way around. So they are, they go on to say um, several right-wing or Republican figures reacted to the search of Mar-a-Lago, not only with demands to dismantle the FBI, which is indeed corrupt, but also with warnings of the action that had triggered war. This just shows everyone what many of us have been saying for a very long time. Trump endorsed House candidate in Washington State, said in a podcast with Steve Bannon's War Room. Um, and this is what I wanted to talk about. On Thursday, a 42-year-old man identified as Ricky Schiffer showed up at the Cincinnati field office with an AR-15-style rifle and apparently a nail gun, which I'm really not, you know, I'm not sure, and subsequently shot to death after firing multiple times at police during a standoff. There was no evidence of what prompted Mr. Schiffer to act. But Mr. Schiffer's social media post later revealed that he was full of rage about, among other things, the search at Mar-a-Lago, and he wanted revenge. Um, that's speculative. So this guy showed up at a uh, FBI field office in Ohio, purportedly, and went inside the building and then left, apparently without incident. He did not discharge a fire, and it's not even sure that he brought his firearm into the FBI office because that would have involved in a shootout immediately if he walked into the FBI office with a firearm. So apparently a man, this is what we do know, a man walked into purportedly into the FBI field office in Cincinnati, Ohio, exited, was chased down by police and shot to death. That's all we really know for sure. Um, apparently he was shooting at police, but we don't have, again, we don't have any evidence that a shootout took place. There's no video um, and nothing has ever released. And then a guy dies. And so there's no trial. And so we never really know what happens. And it seems the timing of this seems very, very strange. Let me what if this. What if local police followed a guy that apparently was on the FBI's radar and shot him to death? And then they weave this story. Is there any possibility of that? Because the timing of this seems very suspect. And then they can say, oh, look, the right wing is violent. Um, I don't believe so. Violence is not all terrorism, he wrote on Mr. Trump's own social media app, True Social, kill the FBI on site. So again, purported, we'll never, the guy's dead, so we'll never know if he really wrote this or not. Despite that threat, one day later, when the right-wing media outlet Breitbart News published the warrant underlying the Mar-a-Lago search, it did not redact the names of the FBI agents. But as you'll see, on uh, Face the Nation, Margaret Brennan says that Breitbart published the names of the agents. Um, that's out of context. They published the warrant, which happened to have the names of the agents on there. So, and I also want to take time really quick just to mention 
Now, this article in the New York Times said he showed up at Cincinnati field office of the FBI with an AR-15 style rice, uh, rifle. Uh, we don't know. I don't think he brought it into the field office. But I also want to go into this story recently where some guy, a criminal, drove into the uh, barricades at the Capitol, set his car on fire, just shot randomly, and then shot himself. We don't know anything about this, and it sounds very much like um, other incidents that have happened, and it sounds like mind control to me. Uh, I can't be sure, but the Stanford woman during the Obama administration who drove from Connecticut, Stanford, Connecticut, all the way to the Capitol to drive through barricades and then was shot to death by Capitol Police while she had a kid in the car. And if you were witness to the way she was driving, it was pretty bizarre. She was driving in circles, burning rubber, driving like crazy person, and she was a mother of an infant and the child. Who would, who would do that? And it was right around the time that they were experimenting with a remote control or taking remote control of motor vehicles. So, and I think her name was Miriam Carey, if you want to look that up. So, again, about Ricky Schiffer, Ohio man was FBI's radar for months. Uh, officials say Ricky Schiffer, 42, was killed hours after trying to breach an FBI office. Federal investigators had been looking into his possible involvement in the attack on the U.S. Capitol. So now they're trying to get him into a uh, January 6th thing. A man who the police say they killed hours after he tried to breach the FBI Cincinnati office had been on the radar of federal authorities. Go figure. Ricky Schiffer had been involved in January 6th attack. FBI acknowledged that the statement it received information about Schiffer before Thursday, but said they had no information not co uh, contain specific threat. Law enforcement separately said they were investigating whether Mr. Schiffer appeared in a video on Facebook. Mr. Schiffer, wearing body armor, tried to breach the entrance to the visitor screening facility of the Bureau of Cincinnati office on Thursday morning, but fled after an alarm was set off and agents responded. So it doesn't say he went into the office with the firearm. It said he was wearing body armor. He was chased into a rural area where officers fatally shot him after a lengthy standoff. It's hard to say if these people were connected. State and federal uh, officials said little publicly on Friday about the circumstances of the attack at the FBI office or Mr. Schiffer's motivations. Even an online post suggests he was a supporter of President Trump who had reacted with outrage if federal agents searched Trump's Florida home. Even the New York Times says, after the search, someone with an account bearing Mr. Schiffer's name posted messages on Trump's social media platform recommending that patriots go to Florida and kill federal agents. This seems contrived. Just does to me. I know I'm speculating, but this just seems contrived. I want to go on to this week's... Um, opinion pages in the Sunday New York Times. And I'm going to go over a couple and then stick with one. Okay, first we have Charles Blow, The Politics of Persecution. And Charles Blow, who's an opinion columnist, um, talks about the federal raid. 
Trump wrote in his statement, of course, referring to himself in the third person that a political person persecution of Donald Trump has been going on for years. It just never ends. This is indeed true. This is not being contested in any way. Persecution, he writes, is a powerful social concept that moves people to empathize and with and defend those perceived to have been wrong. It rouses righteous indignation and produces the moral superiority of, of long-suffering. For instance, central to the story of three Abrahamic religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, is the presence of persecution, the ultimate overcoming of it. But he goes on to say... He does mention the Chinese Uyghurs being persecuted. And this is what I wanted to get to. American politics continues to be dictated by persecution. There are both the historical and modern iterations of persecution of women in this country. Women LGBTQ people and racial, ethnic, and religious minorities. Oh, it's LGBTQ people and racial, ethnic, and religious minorities are persecuted in the United States of America. Advances have been made here by liberals and resisted by conservatives. <sighs> but with those liberal victories, conservatives came to see themselves as a persecuted class, reversing the roles that he just said that LGBTQ people were persecuted. Racial, ethnic, and religious minorities were persecuted in America. I'd like to see proof of that, Mr. Blow. Well, we won't. And I really don't like Maureen Dowd. She's been a columnist at the New York Times forever. And this was even unreadable. You couldn't even read this opinion piece. Trump six the GOP on the FBI and there she is in all her glory. It was inevitable that the scoff law and the law would clash. I, I couldn't even get through this. It was so stomach churning. The Republicans are echoing unhinged leftists from the 1968, said Tom Nichols, an Atlantic writer on Morning Joe, like anybody would even listen to this stuff. And she goes on to talk about George W. Bush and all the people as demented Republican News Conference Friday on the Hill, Representatives Elise Stefanik laced into the FBI leadership that protected Hillary Clinton, James Coney, and continues to protect Hunter Biden, and that perpetrated the false Russia hoax for years. This is all true. It's Pavlovian now. The Republicans don't even hesitate before protecting Trump. His casual attitude toward classified information is nothing new. This is... The Lord of Mar-a-Lago assumes that whether or not he's out of office, all top secret papers are his to tweet, to wave around. The fact is, is that all presidents leave with documents. And nobody's been ever, ever, the law enforcement has never take, gone to this degree, particularly in an election year, to tar, to tar and feather someone as an autocrat at heart. Trump simply conflates himself with the Republic. First of all, he was drafted by the Patriot movement, by the Liberty movement. He was drafted, not the other way around. They keep 
playing these semantic games, and that's not the case. As an autocrat at heart, Trump simply conflates himself with the republic. That's why he probably never thought he was committing sedition on January 6th. Sedition. He held a rally. Actually, the rally was held for him, but he spoke at a rally, and he said, peacefully protest, which is, which is your right under the Constitution. When he egged on the mob to overthrow the government he was running. Part of that mob was Ricky Schiffer, who was killed by police, purportedly killed by police on Thursday after he attacked an Iowa FBI office. He did not attack an FBI officer. She just blatantly lies. He went in and tried to get in, but it's not clear whether he was armed or not at the time after Trump denounced the agency raid. It's just this whole thing was sickening, but the one I really want to get into is the one by David Brooks, which is a fairer assessment. Did the FBI just reelect Donald Trump? By David Brooks, who I'm not a big fan of either. So he starts out in his lead saying, why is Donald Trump so powerful? How did he come to dominate one of the two major parties and get himself elected president? Like he got himself elected. How did he do that? It is the popular sentiment of this country, of the electorate, that uh, Washington, the political elites are corrupt. And he was a champion of their angst, of the electorate's angst. It's not the other way around. No, it's his narratives. Trump, Trump tells powerful stories that ring true to tens of millions of people. Of course. The main one is that America is being ruined by corrupt social coastal elites. According to this narrative, not to the truth, according to the narrative, like, it's not overwhelmingly apparent that Hunter Biden was selling influence for his father, who is now president of the United States, when his father was vice president. Who knows? It's probably still going on right now. And even so, that Hillary, had a, uh, Hillary Clinton had a private server where she could put information to be hacked out by foreign governments who donate to the Clinton Foundation. It's a pay-for-play scheme. It's apparent. It's not. At this point, we're not even speculating. According to his narrative, there's an interlocking network of highly educated Americans who make, up the tr who make up what the Trumpians have come to call the regime. Not just Trumpians, but regular people. Uh, what we originally called it was the deep state or the administrative state if you want to get technical or politically philosophical. Washington power players, liberal media, big foundations, elite university, woke corporations. The latter is what you have to concern because it's actually woke corporations, Washington power players, liberal media, big foundations, or it's actually, it's actually this, it's actually this way. Um, woke corporations, and then it's big foundations, elite universities, liberal media. These people are corrupt, condescending, and immoral and are looking out only for themselves. They are out to get Trump because Trump is the person who stands up to them. They're not only out to get Trump, they're out to get you. 
they're well the opposite of elitism is populism so populism is a direct contrast to elitism so that's where the friction lies so the liberal elite in this country immoral perhaps um but really nihilistic or postmodern they're subjectivists um against a uh objectivist um, sound foundation of Renaissance Enlightenment thinking and the founding of this country, which proves to be or outlines the basic freedoms of individuals so they can go on their way, make a living, and fulfill themselves and their destinies within a certain amount of sovereignty for the individual. You're free to do as you please, and that's what people always wanted throughout history. Free to do as you please so you can fulfill your destiny. Because if you're not free to do as you please, you can't fulfill your destiny. It simply assumes, well, it goes on to say, his narrative has a core of truth to it. It's all truth. Highly educated metropolitan elites have become something of a self-enclosed brain Brahmin class, or if you don't know what Brahmin class is, it's the the priest uh, uh, class or caste of ancient India. But the Trumpian propaganda turns what is an unfortunate social chasm into a venomous conspiracy theory. It simply assumes, against a lot of evidence, that the leading institutions of society are inherently corrupt, malevolent, and partisan are enacting in bad faith. Well, true, because they have a different perspective, a different belief system that is really postmodern or socialist at its core, which is in direct contrast with the republicanism of this country. It simply assumes that the proof of people's virtue is what they're getting attacked by the regime. Trump's political career has been kept afloat by elite scorn. The more elite scorn him, the more Republicans love him. The key criterion for leadership in the Republican Party today is having the right enemies. Well, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And most people know that. I'm not going to go on to this whole thing. We've already been running long enough. Um, but you can see the way the New York Times paints it, Dave Brooke paints it, whether Charles, Charles Bro, Maureen Dowd, is that this man, Donald Trump, is, Trump has been under relentless attack even before he took office over four years of office, cheated cheated out of a second term um, by a myriad of different events that could have easily been unleashed and not just grown organically or, or to happen kind of coincidentally at the right time, which you should always be aware. All right, so uh, really quick, we're going to listen to... Um, just closing up here, we're going to listen to uh, Brian Fitzpatrick on Face the Nation, and he talks about this important affidavit. We go now to Pennsylvania Republican Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick. He's a former FBI agent and federal prosecutor and joins us from Philadelphia. Um, well, I think it can be summed up in one line. Uh, Margaret, it was an unprecedented action that needs to be supported by unprecedented justification. Uh, part A was an unprecedented action. Yes, we know that. This has never happened before 
in our country's history. To the second question, was there unprecedented justification? That remains an open question, and we know exactly where to look, and that is the affidavit of probable cause, the one document that remains under seal. What? Um, so because we don't have that information, I've encouraged all of my colleagues on the left and the right uh, to reserve judgment and not get ahead of yourself because we don't know what that document contains. It's going to answer a lot of questions. Uh, when we had the press conference uh, on Friday with my uh, fellow Intelligence Committee members, I telegraphed to the press then. I said the documents that you will see unsealed today, uh, which was the, uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, the warrant, the rider to the warrant, and the property receipt are not going to shed a whole lot of light beyond the statutes that were being investigated. The problem is that the administration is disputing a lot of what's being publicly reported. So the affidavit will answer that question. Mm -hmm. It will be able to tell us who is providing misinformation. Is it the, uh, the, the prior administration or the current administration? We need to, we need to get that clarified. If they don't want to dis, uh, unseal it for public uh, consumption, they can certainly bring it into the SCIF. Uh, to bring it to our, our House Intelligence Committee members. We, after all, do have oversight over the entire intelligence apparatus. So that's what's puzzling to us, um, uh, Margaret. My, myself, uh, Mike Turner, fabulous member of Congress from mm -hmm. Ohio who's taking a very measured approach as well. Um, we understand the dynamics of play here. Uh, we just want to get to the truth. That's it. Yeah. Uh, objective truth. The FBI raid of President Trump is a complete abuse and overreach of its authority. We're very strong in supporters of law enforcement, and it concerns everybody if you see some agents go rogue, and if you see an agency that doesn't have the right checks and balances at the top. That probable cause affidavit uh, is so important. And the unfortunate reality, Margaret, I mean, in my sh uh, few short years in Congress, I've seen uh, uh, undermining of all three branches of government uh, lead to threats of violence and acts of violence, starting with the, uh, the attack on my uh, fellow baseball team members on, on the baseball field, to threats to Supreme Court justices, to threats to law enforcement, both local and during the, yeah. uh, the unrest in the summer of 2020, and now to federal law enforcement. All of it's unacceptable. Um, a series of statements from the 45th president saying the FBI has a long and unrelenting history of being corrupt. He said the FBI's a criminal RICO enterprise whose cover sources and methods include criminal acts. His campaign is fundraising off of this and has uh, referred to an army of agents from the FBI breaking into his home and said that he hopes they're not planting evidence. <clears throat> you know, potentially, if this were, were a warrant that was excessive, and we don't know whether it was or not, because, Margaret, there's a continuum of ways to gather evidence, everything from the passive service of a subpoena uh, with a future production date to the dynamic execution of a search warrant, which we saw here. There's a lot of things you can do in between, including a forthwith subpoena where you present that subpoena at the door. You don't enter the premises, but you demand instant production then and there. We don't know what was appropriate, what was justified or not, and that's why this affidavit is so important. That will answer all the questions. Yeah, it will as soon as that affidavit. If it, I don't think it's going to be uh, unsealed until after the midterm elections. And then quickly, we're going to go to uh, Major Garrett on a propaganda piece from Sunday morning where they talk about the raid in, um, in their own narrative terms. The skies above former President Trump's home at Mar-a-Lago were clear, but a week of legal storm clouds stretched from South Florida to Washington to New York propelling America into heavy legal and political weather. For eight hours Monday, few knew the FBI, armed with a search warrant, was inside Trump's residence, retrieving more than 20 boxes of documents, 
some containing <laughs> search warrant unsealed Friday afternoon revealed Trump was under possible investigation for violations of the Espionage Act, <laughs> obstruction, and theft of government documents. Trump announced his home was under siege. Instantaneously, supporters rushed to the narrow causeway that runs from West Palm Beach to Mar-a-Lago. I definitely think it was unfair and suspicious. I think he will win in a landslide in 2024. In part because of this? Absolutely. Republicans in Congress also defended Trump. I personally approved the decision to <laughs> On social media, some Trump loyalists denounced the FBI. Trump said he was being attacked on all sides, meaning the FBI, but also the New York Attorney General, who is investigating whether the Trump Organization hyped property values to obtain bank loans while lowballing those same valuations to evade taxes. What? A federal appeals court Tuesday ruled Democrats on the House Ways and Means Committee can obtain his tax returns. What? In 2018, he signed legislation increasing prison sentences for the mishandling of classified information. And even as Trump charged that America was turning into a banana republic, federal and state authorities said they were following the facts and law in service of the republic. Faithful adherence to the rule of law is the bedrock principle of the Justice Department and of our democracy. Upholding the rule of law means applying the law evenly, without fear or favor. As Trump considers a bid to win back the White House, the nation pondered not only that possibility, but one of a former president running again while under criminal investigation or possibly indictment. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's just an ongoing witch hunt. And that Trump had called it a witch hunt from the beginning. It's not surprising that uh, it's still going on um, because they want to keep him from running. The January 6th committee, this FBI raid, the two impeachments, uh, on and what's going on in New York. It's on and on and on. When Trump was had his own show on TV, uh, how come he was being left alone? Why is he such a danger to this country? You see it all the time um, with liberals on the street. Oh, he's a criminal. Oh, really? What crimes did he commit? Uh, 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 I don't know. I, uh, 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 I don't want to talk anymore. Because they don't know because what is the crime? The media is making it look like presidents don't take documents with them as part of their historical record, because that's what they're trying to preserve, their historical record as president. And they don't want that to be tarnished by the archivist or, or anybody else who's gonna rewrite history. They wanna preserve documentation that is fair to their administration. So when they open their library, they could say, well, Trump or Obama or Bush, they did X, Y, Z, and here's all the proof and whatnot. So all presidents leave with documents, the media is making it sound like they don't have uh, they don't have the right to take documents. Of course they do. All presidents do it. All right, so for me, Rudy's Revelation.
We'll see you tomorrow. This is a conspiracy. Don't forget to like, subscribe. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter. Get our minds. See you tomorrow.